When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing, hitting that bell icon so you're notified of any time we put new content on. Videos going up daily, but sometimes you lucky buggers two, three times a day, particularly if I'm in a good mood. I don't know why that might be. Um, and so you want to make sure you hit that bell icon so you're made aware that uh, we've got a new video on. Obviously, every story, every memory, every fan, every ex-player interview is, is, is a personal sort of recollection of their time at West Ham or their time supporting. So make sure you don't miss any. Um, including today's lifelong fan. He's very excited to be on the channel. He's dressed up for the occasion. It's Don Peressa. Hi, Don. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. Especially this morning after that glorious victory yes. over Chelsea. Stunning night, classic night. Well done, everybody. But yes, I'm well and excited to be here. <laughs> More excited than probably 24 hours before, which is uh, it's surprising. Yeah, right? It's surprising. Um, so, so, Don, obviously, you, you're, you're decked in the claret and blue. Um, the first question I always ask everyone is, why West Ham? Why is West Ham your club? Well, that's a very decent question, may I say. Um, so, I've always maintained that you don't choose your football club. Your football club chooses you, if you're a true fan. So for some people, it's because it's been handed down through the family, in which case you have really zero choice. Or, um, you know, in other cases, just something happens which pushes you in a certain direction. In my case, um, there was no one in my family who was interested in football pretty much and certainly no West Ham connection. If anything, my dad was slightly interested in Fulham, but not really. So um, the reason I became a West Ham fan is because I was about four years old and I was watching one of the football TV shows. I'm not sure if it was match the day or the big match or whatever it was at the time. And West Ham were on and it was more Peters Hurst and, you know, and I think it was QPR and they destroyed them, absolutely destroyed them. And from that moment on, West Ham were my team. You know, I, I, I grew up in South East London, so really it should be Charlton or, mm. you know, the other M word team. <laughs> but, um, it was never an issue. I fell in love instantly and it's been West Ham ever since. Yeah, exactly. What was your first game? Do you remember your first game, Don? First game, 1968, Chelsea at home. We won 2-0. 
uh, I couldn't see anything. I just, I just, <laughs> I was surrounded by very tall men. I was eight, I think, seven or eight. And um, I just got off on the noise, really. Occasionally, I could see through the crack between a few people. Uh, I was standing in the North Bank, and um, I was just, you know, again, uh, just instantly addicted to the... Because I didn't realise how much people celebrated a goal. Yeah, yeah. At that point. I mean, I, you know, I watch it on, on telly at home, whatever, and you celebrate or whatever, you enjoy a goal. But the level of hysteria to, to an eight-year-old kid of what happened to these grown men when we scored a goal, it was a, it was a bit traumatising at first. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, they've gone mad. And then I thought, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens when we score. Yes. Yeah. And again, it was like an eye-opening moment for me. It was great. Yeah. I remember it, but in black and white, really. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you okay. know, and, and they beat Chelsea. You know, we're quite used to doing yeah. that now. There's a bit of uh, circularity about this. A bit this, of yin and yang there? about this. This is almost like we planned it, Don. I never would have um, thought that connection, but there you go. It's happened. Hurrah. It, hurrah, indeed. And, and so obviously since sort of, the, the, sort of the late 60s onwards, you know, obviously supporting the club through thin and thick, uh, not thick and thin. Um, yeah, exactly. More, more, more thin and thick. Um, there must be some sort of some 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 games or some moments which sort of stick in your mind as being yeah. Being I mean, obviously, of... you know, I didn't I didn't start going regularly till I was till I could afford it, which was about I was seventeen. So, but yeah. it was the occasional game I could get in, which included the, the seventy five FA Cup final. I managed to get a ticket for that. I don't know how, <laughs> um, which was which was terrific. But um, the kind of Games against Anderlecht and, uh, you know, uh, Tarnamo Tbilisi, a standout games. But the first real proper standout game for me was the 1980 FA Cup final. Yeah. I was at uni and uh, one of my friends, his dad was a member of the Lancashire Football Association Committee or something. I managed to get me a ticket for the final, which I found the other day whilst having a rummage. But it was for the Arsenal end, which was quite interesting. But, you know, I was 19, 20, coming up to my 20th birthday, 19, but 19. And um, I was full of bravado. So I went in my colours and uh, I didn't care who knew it. And I stood in the Arsenal end in my colours. And uh, it was great. And then we scored and I got hit over the head with a piece of wood. (laughs) But I didn't care. I really didn't care. I then decided you know, perhaps best to kind of go a little bit further to the side and perhaps get out of the way of this because I was the only claret and blue shirt Brilliant. anywhere in that end. But there you go. You do those things when you're young and stupid. But it's a yeah. great day. Absolutely yeah. great day. And i tell you what, when, when Willie Young pulled down Paul Allen on the edge of the box, I was ready to take on the whole Arsenal end. I was so incensed by that moment. But then I was sort of sensibly told to calm yeah. down and I did Thought better judgment. Man, I was angry. Anyway, we won, so there you go. <laughs> exactly. Right. You won. You got hit over the head with a lump of wood. I don't know where they got that from. There's, but... there's many. There's many great memories. I remember going to Birmingham in about '82, and um, it was snowing so hard you couldn't see the goal at the other end. Wow. And basically, so West Ham being West Ham fans started doing the conga in the driving snow on on the uh, in the way, and it was great. Another wonderful memory, I think Steve was there that night, is when we beat Tottenham at White Hart Lane 4-0 and Psycho Cross scored all four goals. Yeah. That was 
an absolute magical night. One of the great, 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 great nights as a West Ham fan for me. We were just magnificent that night. And you can see all the goals are on, on YouTube somewhere. Oh, yeah. And glad to see that my memory of the goals is pretty good. Compared yeah, to yeah, because you have these sort of claret-tinted glasses yeah. sometimes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. The third goal is an absolute masterpiece. But it was, it was just like, because we don't, we don't just got promoted again mm. after losing the, um, the League Cup final to Liverpool. Yeah. Because um, we would have been, I think, had we done that, the first second division team to win the FA Cup and the League Cup. But we didn't because we got yeah. robbed. But there you go. Standard stuff. So, yeah, so it was our, our first sort of proper London derby after we got promoted again, uh, if my recollection is correct. And uh, we absolutely destroyed them. And it was fantastic. It was yeah. just such a great night. Great yeah. night. And um, I don't know. There's lots of others. There's loads. 2006 FA Cup final. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the playoff games, yeah, um, including the one at Wembley that Steve Rapport mentioned when he was on. Yeah, the 2006 FA Cup final. That's a great story. You, you want to hear the story? Yeah, of course, God. That's <laughs> why we're here. We're here for the stories, man. So I just conscious of rabbit on a little well bit too much, but anyway, I'll do it anyway. So um, it was obviously a wonderful season. Alan yeah. Pardew in his pomp. We were just, you know, Nigel Rio Coca could play football at the time and. Dean Ashton hadn't been injured and all yep. sorts of wonderful things were happening. So um, we had two season tickets at that point as a family and we kind of chopped and changed who went because i got two children and my wife, yep. my dear late wife was a West Ham fan as well. So um, between us, we kind of chopped and changed who, sure. who would go. So I got two tickets for the, the semi-final and then I got two tickets for the final. So the two tickets for the semi-final, I took my son and obviously Marlon Harewood's yeah. We beat Middlesbrough. It was a great day. Fantastic. But so then it was my daughter's turn. You see, the final was my daughter's turn. And my son very nobly said, that's all right. Let Sophie go. I went to the semi, you know, incredibly grown up of him. Very much so. Because uh, I'd have been sulking for the rest of my life, I think. <laughs> anyway, but as a family, we all went to Cardiff anyway. We got yeah. in the car and, we just, and my missus said, don't worry, I'll sit and watch it in a bar somewhere, watch it on the telly. Yeah. Because obviously didn't want to leave my son on his own. No. In the meantime, I'm in the stadium with my daughter. We found our seats. And I'm ringing everybody I know to see if anyone's got a spare ticket or two spare tickets. And at the time, and I'm still friends with him, but at the time, a guy called Phil Hall, who is the former editor of the News of the World, yeah. was uh, the chief of press at West Ham. And I happened to, he was like sitting about six seats down from me. So I said, Phil, 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 have you got any tickets? He goes, um, I might have one. I might have one. He said, so just give me a couple of minutes. And this was about quarter to three, you know, not long before kickoff. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And, uh, and so like 10 to three, he says, yes, I've got a ticket. I've got a ticket. It's like, oh. So I pick up my mobile phone, can't get a signal. I said to my, my daughter, my daughter was like 11 at the time, I think. Yeah. I said, sit there, do not move. I'll be back as soon as I can. Because I can't live alone in 8,000. Little garden. So I'm, I'm running along the, the you know, the, uh, the concourse outside with my phone, trying to get a signal, trying to get, finally get through. And I said to, to my wife, send him to the gate now. And I told him which gate number to go to. I had this ticket in my hand, obviously, but he needed the ticket to get into the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm legging it to the gate. And I told him which gate number was the closest one. And then, uh, um, so he, he came to the stadium on his own. Uh, but I wouldn't, obviously there were checkpoints all the way through yeah. and you couldn't get to the gate unless you could show you had a ticket. ticket. So it's like, oh my God. 
So I'm going, ah, ah. So I spoke to a security guy who was unbelievably helpful. He was incredible. I said, look, this is the situation. I've got the ticket, my son. So he's radioing like four st- check stations ahead. And they like, it was like royalty. They waved him through. <laughs> Said they look, I said, look for the boy with the West Ham shirt, blah, 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 you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. A really good description. And they just literally, is the, like the, the Red Sea parted, and I could see him coming in the distance towards me. And he got to the turnstile, fed him the, the ticket through the barrier, and he came through. And we gave each other the biggest hug in the history oh, of West Ham. Yeah, yeah. And all of the security staff at that point went, oh. <laughs> so then we legged it up. So he went, he was sitting about a block to one side. And it turns out he sat for the whole game next to Alan Pardew's wife. Brilliant. <laughs> and, and what happened, happened. So it was, oh, even though we lost, it was an amazing and very memorable day. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's we, a, the moral victory was ours, even if the actual victory was No, exactly. Ours. It really was. And it's one of those games where I don't think I've been to a game where you've walked out and the opposition, you sort of meet him in the street and they go, oh, should, you should have won that. It's like yeah, worst team one. Worst team one. Yeah, they really did. And that's the thing about West Ham as well. It's like it's you know, football is secondary to being a West Ham fan, particularly in the modern day. Um, and it's the story, as you said. You know, you was you said, I went Steve and I did this and got a ticket. And you know, it's not necessarily about about the match. It's about the experience. And and that's what and sort of the the family, the West Ham family, and the community. That's even more seems apparent since we've been in lockdown. You know, on Facebook and Twitter, and there's been sort of everyone sort of you know good band to go around. I don't think any other. I mean, I'm I'm obviously we're prejudiced towards that. I don't think I see that in any other clubs. You know what I mean? In terms of supporters, shift this togetherness, which I don't think I see. Well, I think I think ours is a heavy cross to bear. Yeah. And if you haven't got a good sense of humour and and also a sense of, you know, the West Hamness of West Ham, you just can't survive it. The emotional trauma attached is is just too hard. I mean, when you know when you have some of the catastrophe you know, on pitch catastrophes that we've had and off pitch rubbish that we have to put up with yeah. as well. And all the VARs pretty much. I think we've had one in our favour all season or maybe two. Otherwise yeah. they've all gone against us. Yeah. You know, there's a penalty decision early on where Sebastian Haller was attacked with a tank, a chainsaw <laughs> and several, you know, Viking axes. And the ref still didn't give a penalty. I don't know if you remember that one. It's yeah. unbelievable. And VAR nothing. It's like what? What do you have to do? It's like when Di Canio, he could not buy a penalty. Di Canio, they no, just, the refs no. would not give him a penalty. Unbelievable. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, and it Incredible. is. But you're right, and it is the West Hamness. I mean, you know, it's been dog awful since it's kicked off, and and you know it's restarted, and then you had yesterday, and that's just that yeah. is so West Ham in the three get the three match, you know, yeah, sort of sort of you know period. I think one of the things that is that is because obviously everyone's biased about their own club and how good the fans are. But consistently, players from other clubs that come to West Ham always praise the fans. Mm. Always say, you know, when I was playing at other clubs, we didn't like to come to Upton Park because the fans were so intimidating and blah blah mm. blah. And also, without exception, we must be the best away fans. We must be, yeah, because every allocation is always sold out. We always make a huge amount of noise. It's always really, really funny. And uh, I mean, I, one season for madness, I don't know what, I had an away season ticket. So I went to a lot of games, a lot of dismal 
you know, went all the way to Wigan, watched us lose one nil and about minus five. And it's just like, why did I do that? And the reason I did it is because it's such a laugh traveling away with, with us. I mean, I would not like to go on the train. I must admit, I, I think that would be a bit of a, a visceral experience, yes. but um, just being up there. And when you got an Oasis ticket, you will sit next to the same people. So you kind of get a, yeah. you know, a kind of a, you get, you get to understand who other people's favorite players are yeah. or least favorite players are. And I just had it in for Craig Edmonton. I just had it in for him all the time. Um, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> and the people next to me said, give him a break, give him a break. And I never would, obviously. That's not no. my way. I don't give anyone a break. <laughs> um, You're right. I know what you mean. Yeah, go on. No, but I, say, I know what you mean. It is, it is a laugh, isn't it? And it is like, it's, it is about those people you sit around if you've got a season ticket, whether it's home or away. You know, you might, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that I haven't spoken to before since doing this channel who I've become close friends with now, you know, and it's like, and the only thing that joins us together is a, is supporting a a club in, in club in East London, really. Uh, yeah, the, the mighty Hammers, and uh, and you know, it's, I think that's what people miss about obviously the you know sort of the no fans in the in the grounds at the moment. It's not about the football. It's about going and seeing Bob with a Bob with a flat cap and Bill who drinks his Bob real and you know yeah, think, going down the black line or Ken's calf or yeah. or whatever whatever your pre match ritual is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. Absolutely is, true. My yeah. private pre-match ritual was trying to beat the traffic and getting there two minutes before kickoff. Quite often, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at my timekeeping. Timekeeper, anyway. I'm the other, I'm the other oh, yeah, way. So, I'm totally yeah, the other yeah. way. So I mean, when I go to other ga- other football matches, because I'm there like at least four or five hours before kickoff to set up. If I'm uh, when I was when I was living in the, when I was living in the states, I, I I went to a couple of MLS games. I turned up four hours before and wondered why I wasn't being allowed in. And I was like, oh, bollocks, I forgot. So, but you know, it's just this all it's all routine, isn't it? He said, trying to get the last two minutes, make sure you get the. I right mean, it wasn't. I'm not always like I often got there early enough to get a bacon sandwich and Ken's calf, but yeah. quite often it was it was touch and go. Yeah. But what's what's great? I mean, ever since. I started supporting West Ham. I've got two younger brothers, so they had no choice. They had to start supporting yeah. West Ham. Uh, my wife, my dear late wife, was a West Ham supporter, but she supported West Ham before she met me. And it was one of those things that she was like a huge Clyde Best fan. You know, she saw him when she was like 10 or whatever, and that was it. She was a West Ham fan from that point on. Then my two kids are West Ham fans. Yeah. All my younger cousins, basically, I've bludgeoned them into submission. They have <laughs> zero choice but to be West Ham. So I'm su- I'm surrounded by a nice little comfort blanket, and we all yes. we all suffer together, and we all celebrate together. So. Yes, no, exactly. I'm the I'm the same. My 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 daughter, well, she was due on the playoff final, black the Blackpool final, and I had a and I had a front row ticket. So. Um, so I went to Wembley. Um, you won winner. <laughs> yes, I went to Wembley, and I was also Hammerhead's chaperone for the day as well. So I went to Wembley, so I got a free ticket. And um, yeah, within three days, uh, when she was she was born a couple of days afterwards, and then um, I got a picture of her in the playoff trophy, probably about two days old. Um, yes. <laughs> so she was marked already, unfortunately. Of course, yeah. I took my kids to to the stadium, not to a game, but I took them to the stadium. Yeah. Well, both of them before they were three months old and stood by the gates and let them smell it and yeah. you know feel it and experience being there yeah. you know because you have to imprint don't you when they're very young you have to imprint it's like they, yeah. when they're born the, the shape of their mother is imprinted on their memory so i had to imprint you know the gate and the twin towers the, the, the castle turrets on their on their memory it's, it's to do that stuff it's so true i mean i mean today my, my daughter got ready and she was like oh what should i put on today daddy and i said i don't know you can you can pick what you want she went, and then she came back down 
full West Ham kit because we won, didn't we, Daddy? And I was like, oh my God. Oh, yeah, I was oh going to say, tears. I would be streaming. Absolutely. <laughs> because streaming. we won. Because we won. The older um, you get, the more tearful you are, isn't it? It's, it's true, isn't it? It's, tr- it's really true. It's really true. You get... I, cry, I cry at Repair Shop. Every episode of Repair Shop. <laughs> repair shop. <laughs> every episode. I'm addicted so to that show. and It makes me cry every time. Yeah. You've never seen it, but it's magnificent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never seen Repair Shop. Watch Repair Shop. Go on iPlayer and find the episode with the jukebox in it. I don't know if you've seen that one, Russell. No, 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 no. Amazing. <laughs> tearjerker beyond tearjerker. Anyway, anyway, that is kind of blind by. Anyway, West Ham, uh, and then West Ham always takes us to tears anyway. Not necessarily happy tears all the time. Yeah, well, I've cried so many times at Upton Park. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Um, Yes. So I've got, I don't know if you want to, before we launch in, I've got a, a nice Paolo Di Canio story as well. If you go like for to it. Hear that. Go on. Well, let's go some for of it. you may know, uh, and you may know, Russ, I used to work in television before yes. um, my life took a bit of a left turn. Um, and the company I worked for was a company called Chrysalis Sport, and we yep. did a lot of things. We made the Graham Taylor documentary, um, we made. Um, several documentaries about Paul Gascoigne, which I produced. I used to produce Italian football for many years. Um, And um, so we had this idea of approaching Paolo Di Canio to do, in his pomp, to do a documentary about him, to do a close-up, you know, know, fly on the wall. Because I'd made, I, you know, the team that I was in, you know, we had made, I hate to take full credit for anything, we had made several documentaries about, about Paul Gascoigne. That's one yeah. of the things that um, um, was an interesting period of my professional life, for sure. Working with Gaz, a very interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, well, who's the other maverick around <laughs> that is, is sublime footballer? PDC. So approached his management, very interested um you know had a few meetings went to his house he gave me a signed shirt the actual shirt he wore when we beat charlton he beat charlton on his own i don't yeah, remember that game well, yeah, i think he won two nil and he yeah. just basically all the other 10 players went to sleep he beat them by himself it was amazing uh you know he made me a cup of coffee and we had a long chat and we went to his house in loughton and he yeah. had a jaguar parked out front you know everything you would imagine huge massive television set before you got the really big ones, one yeah. of those, what, re, you know, those rear projection telly yeah. before, yeah, yeah. or the plasma screens. He had, had one that was the size of a bus. It was unbelievably big. Um, and then it's like, oh man, and I discussed how we we're going to make the film, and we wanted to go back to Italy, but you know, and trace his story, everything, you know, do all of that stuff. And then he just wanted too much money. It was a stupid amount of money. I think he wanted like hundred thousand yeah. pounds. And at that time, I think the most we'd ever paid Gaz was about sixty grand. So for, for Di Canio to want that much more than Gaza, it was just, it was yeah. just not affordable. Yeah, we, could yeah. not, we could not get the budget together to make the film and to pay him hundred dollars. So it went away. Unfortunately, it went away. But at least I got a, a shirt from the man himself. Okay. And uh, it was nice. Sorry, my phone. Yeah, I silly. On silent. I do apologise. silly. Down on silent now. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, that, was, that was great. Loved it. That was a great experience. Oh, God, a cup yeah. of coffee and a shirt from the great man. So yeah. there you go. That's but he was a lunatic. Absolutely. No question. Yeah. Total lunatic. An absolute lunatic. And, uh, 
That's um, charming as well. Yeah, very charming. Well, let's let's move there on to let's move on to the eleven because obviously you know some yes, players you mentioned already, and I, I don't want to don't want to sort of you know any spoilers. Um, so as I said, the whole idea is you have to be alive to have seen them play. That's the only caveat. Obviously, from yeah, from the late sixties onwards, you've got quite a nice spread there. Yeah. Don, I must yeah. Well, I've kind of I've kind of added a few other parameters because what I, the one thing I don't want to do is the same as everybody else. That's yeah. kind of yeah. my mantra in life. And being of uh, Italian descent, I would I thought I would concentrate on the foreign. I would I'd sort I'd try to get an Italian eleven. That's not clearly not enough Italians have played for yeah. for us. So I thought okay, I'll do a foreign eleven. Nice. And my parameters were not playing currently. Yeah. Um, and not obvious. Brilliant, love so it. I have excluded Payet, Tevez, and Mascherano because they're just too. Obvious. obvious. <laughs> love it. Love, love, it. love them though I did. Yeah. Uh, and I want to talk about Mascarano later if, if we can, because we can. I think he gets bad press and it's ridiculous what gets said about him. Yeah. But let's talk about the 11 first. Okay, so, let's start in goal. Let's yeah, in goal. I've always thought that actually our best position consistently over the years has been goalkeeper. Agreed. Yeah. Very rarely had a crap goal. We've had a few minutes of crap goalkeeper, <laughs> but for as long as I've been at West Ham, we've always had a pretty decent goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, so obviously the, the, the obvious choice would be Ludo. He's a foreigner. He's brilliant. Yeah. But I actually, so not wanting to go the other way, I've gone for Jussi Jaskalainen, who I thought yeah. was a yes. fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah. And the he great was. thing about goalie, getting goalies late in their career because obviously we always buy players after their peak. Natural, but goalies natural. get better as they get older until their arms fall off. <laughs> but until their arms fall off, they are always going to be great goalkeepers. And Jasper Leinen was brilliant. I thought he was an absolutely fantastic keeper. We're also very lucky to have a good one now. Um, but obviously, um, he'd be too obvious to put Fab in He's there. current. So he's a current player. He's a, yeah, he's he's a that's, player as well. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so Lucy gets my vote in goal. So right back yep. is the wonderkind known as Sebastian Schemmel. Yes. Who is, to my mind, probably the last decent right back we've had at the club. Yeah. The last proper right back. Only one hammer of the year in his first year. Which, when does that happen as a as a defender? Yeah. Uh, especially uh, one has been brought in. Uh, and that first season, he was extraordinary. Yeah. He was another one who won games on his own just because of his strength of character and his mm. refusal to give in. He was exactly. wonderful. Then, so, he, then uh, he cut his hair and, yeah. and, and then he was crap. He was like Samson, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how regularly we turn... <laughs> yeah. We have the opposite of the Midas touch with footballers, don't we? We have the, you know, the, the deep, smelly crap touch. <laughs> and... Oh, not always. Obviously, David Cross, who we can talk about afterwards, he was a player that absolutely developed so yeah. much. First time he became a stunningly brilliant centre forward. Mm. He should have, you know, represented his country and all the rest of it. So, um, and on the other other side, um, yep. at fullback, um, Herita Ilunga. Oh, Ilunga! First time he's appeared in the channel. And, uh, and you know what? Another one who had an absolutely extraordinary first period whilst he was at the, at the club, and then somehow something happened to him. Yeah. Whether someone drilled his kneecaps or something, I don't know. <laughs> but he just suddenly forgot how to play football. But his his initial performances were amazing. He was so <laughs> so so good. Um, and then he just disappeared off the face of the earth. He's Congolese, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like and, that. Um, 
you know, he was brilliant. Athletic, quick, fearless in the tackle, passed the ball. Um, you know, a bit, Masuaka is a little reminiscent of him. Yeah. Um, but Masuaka was nothing like as good a defender as Ilunga. So, uh, so he was on left back. Now, in the middle, yeah. it wouldn't surprise you to say, so even though it might be slightly obvious, but Slav Bilic has to get a mention as a, as our central defender because yeah. even though he wasn't with us for very long, he was a very noble. Uh, you know, he signed for Everton, but he stayed for us to finish the season so mm. that, we, that we stayed up. Yeah. That's a, to me, that's a very and B was a fantastic centre half. Yeah, but his nobility alone. Um, Bilic has to make my my centre half. And yeah. he was really good, you know. He was good. Guitar playing, lawyer, you know, genius, loose, yeah. you know, Renaissance centre half, Renaissance man centre half, just, just brilliant. And yeah. alongside him is the man mountain known as Mark Reaper. Mark Reaper. God bless. Colossus. Him. Yes. You know, if 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 Marvel films had been around then, he would have been <laughs> cast in, in one of those films. He was yeah, brilliant. Chiselled, magnificent creature. Slime. And his hair as well, because he's like, he had like, almost like a, I don't know, he's like, like a very square head, wasn't it? It was like he put it on in the morning with super glue. And he, and he was just really, you know, he was, he was, he was the centre half that Matthew Upson dreamed of being, if you yeah. ask me. Physically very similar, but Reaper, streets ahead of Upson. And, you know, just that chiselled kind of superhero look. Amazing. So there you go. That's my back five. Nice. Uh, yes. So the midfield is is interesting. Okay. I think he says modestly. Um, so let's start in the middle. Yeah. Because the wing, wings uh, might cause a bit of debate. <laughs> but in the middle, I start off with our with uh, our defensive midfielder, be Mark Vivian Foe. God bless him. Who the great tragic loss to mm. football and who took a few games, I think it took about half a dozen games to get up to speed with us. Mm. But as soon as he hit his, his stride, he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. He kind of mm. gets forgotten, but he's just such a great player. Yeah. And the thing about him is people, he was, he was, he was physically imposing, and all that shit, mm. but he was a great footballer as well. He had really good feet. Yeah. And, the, and the thing that I keep reminding people, because it's, that's the kind of guy I am, is that in the Decanio Kung Fu Volley um, Everyone remembers the pass that Trevor Sinclair played to the Canio. I know you're going to say, yeah. OA pass to Sinclair, which is just as long and just as accurate from the other side of the field. Yeah. You know, it's an integral part of that goal. And often when you watch it, they cut just they before cut, Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. They should show it from Foe. I mean, yeah. there might even be another bit before that that I've forgotten about. But the Foway pass to Sinclair is outstanding. Mm. So yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And he was like, and he was like the, uh, you know, he was he was the mould for the, you know, what went on to be that sort of that marauding sort of big central central midfield presence, isn't yeah. it? You got the oh, Vieira, Yaya Torres. Foe was the first. Foe was the first one. Was the first one. Yeah, he definitely was the prototype. And it was there's something about the physicality of 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 West Africans. Yeah. You know, without wanting to be you know controversial, but it's no. true. You know. It's a very strong musk, you know, in the same way that East Africans, the, the, the way that gene pool has worked is they're a lot slighter and, you know, they're more about stamina and, and distance yeah. running and all the rest of it. Whereas in West Africa, they're big, strong, fast, skillful, you know, like Drogba, you know, that, that body yeah. shape and that level of athleticism. And it, it's, they're perfect for modern football, isn't they? Yeah. They are 
absolutely perfect. Yeah. Amazing. Agreed. And then, so alongside him is the, I would say, obviously, the uh, direct opposite in Ayl Berkovich, oh. small, <laughs> Israeli, pale magician. Extraordinary, yeah. extraordinary footballer. Incredible player. Uh, and obviously received a kick in the head for his troubles from John Hartson. Which, he did. Which automatically selected him for this 11. Just, <laughs> just that alone got him in because that's such an incredible story that that could happen in front of the Sky's cameras at training and it get out into the public as well. Yeah. And it but was, and we interviewed... Um, only West Ham. Only West Ham. We interviewed, I interviewed Bertie Braley, who was part of the 99 FA Cup winning yeah. side. And that was his first training session. The first no. team. It was called over by Harry. Him and Joe were called in to act as a couple of, you know, guinea pig type things. Literally five minutes in that happened. Bertie and Joe went. <laughs> no, Bertie never went again. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Brilliant. There you go. So, so I mean, he Berkovich was just—he was a you know a proper what they call in Italy a fantasista, you know, sure. the person who could conjure up the mm. the perfect pass. He was like a, a mini Trevor Brookin, you know. He had he was not an athlete. He was not a speed merchant. He just had a, an, an incredibility to get round people and just to lay off the perfect pass. He he was a he was a great great footballer, he was. absolutely brilliant footballer. And um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of him lately, but man, has he put on some weight? Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah, we've had him on the pitch a couple of times at, at London Stadium. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's some there's certain players when you look at them and they don't look much different. You know, Billy Bonds is Billy Bonds. Uh, yeah, totally. Trevor Brookin, and there's two: Berkovich and Devonshire. They don't look anything oh, like what they look like lordy. in their playing days, really. Lordy, lordy, it's yeah. true. But there you go. I think if you know if you if you're used to training twice a day and eating anything you like, when you stop doing that and you and you and you don't adjust your uh, your lifestyle, shall we say, and your yeah. your eating habits, you're going to balloon. There's no exactly. doubt about it. I mean, my trouble was Don. I never actually did the playing stuff. That's that's the. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I am a I am also a human balloon. I know I, I know the struggles you face. You know, oh, dear, I thought lockdown would have helped. Fantasies, eh? Can't yeah, get exactly. away from it. I know, I know. Um, so on the left, then, yeah, is Alessandro Diamanti. Oh, you got your Italian in. I had to get at least one in. Yeah, and um, he, without a doubt, and I don't care what anybody else said, had the best left foot we'd seen at Upton Park since Liam Brady. He had laser precision in that foot. His free kicks, his long distance passing. I mean, he was. I think the timing for him was wrong. I think had he come at a different time, had, in fact, had he come now, instead of having Anderson on the left, would have Diamante on the left? Oh my God. Yeah. He would yeah. be amazing. But there you yeah. go. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed watching him play. I thought he was uh, usually head and shoulders about, above everybody else on the pitch. And no one, and the problem is he couldn't play down to people's level a lot of the time. Yeah. And they couldn't yeah. raise their game to his level. So he's playing passes to people he thinks should be there. And often they weren't because they hadn't read it and hadn't seen it. Yeah. And I think ultimately that was a problem. But when he was doing it by himself, what a great footballer he was. Fantastic footballer. He's brilliant. And a great name that people consistently mispronounce or misspell. But there you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> always the way now, with the, foreign players, unfortunately. Exactly. Paolo Di Canio is consistently misspelled with a U, but there you go. <laughs> um, we'll get on to that later. So now, right wing I had a real problem with. Yeah. I could not 
for a long time find a foreign right-sided player that A, was any good, B, stayed at the club longer than two minutes. Um, you know, like the Pablo Barreras of this world. I was going to say Pablo Barrera, yeah. He came straight to him. So, so I had to sh- slightly amend my criteria for right wing because okay. this guy that I eventually chose was not at the club for very long. But boy, did he shine brightly for the period he was there. And that is Dani. Oh, Portuguese. God. Yeah, first time he's appeared on the channel. Nine games, I think he played. And he scored winner against Tottenham. Yeah. And he scored an unbelievable goal against Manchester City. And he was a player. Proper, proper player. He, had, he was 19. He had unbelievable feet. He was the best looking man ever to play for West Ham, probably. He was gorgeous, you know, aesthetically speaking. Uh, and I don't know how we didn't convert him to a permanent player. I think no. he fell out with Harry for some reason. I, I think know. Harry, there was reports of him going to a, a nightclub or something. And then Harry didn't extend his loan. I can't remember exactly the consequent, the uh, you know, the circumstances yeah. for it. But it's like, how can you not sign this kid up? He was so good. Yeah. So yes, brief but shone very, very brightly. Danny makes right side of midfield. There nice. you go. Lovely, I like it. Yeah, you're right. We had, we had a, we had that sort of period, weren't we? Where we had it was like Danny, and I remember Hanu Tiernan as well. Uh, and he was like, this this guy is brilliant, you know. And it's like they. Didn't put them through. I suspect there were some dodgy yes. things in the background where certain amounts, certain numbers didn't match up to the necessary requirements. <laughs> and they're very diplomatic. Or, yeah. Sorry, we can't do the deal. Yeah. Because clearly, you know, those of us in the know know. Yes. <laughs> if exactly. you see what I mean. Yes. I'm not able to go into detail because I wouldn't want you to be subject to any, any libel. Um, <laughs> No, no, point take. No, I, I, I totally uh, can read between those very clear lines, Nom. Yeah, I know. Okay, exactly. shall we move on then? Let's move on quickly. So, obviously, my front two include Paolo Di Canio. Now, of course. But let's do him. Because in my time going to West Ham, and people say Payet, but I'm sorry, Payet was good, no doubt about it, but he was a scumbag and uh, a bad human being and just doesn't know what the word loyalty, commitment and professionalism mean. Uh, and I would say Di Canio is every bit his equal technically, but on top of that, he had, I mean, there's any player not from West Ham, loved West Ham more than Paolo Di Canio does. I don't yeah, think so. Nah. He absolutely, you know, he, he was at West Ham longer than he was at any other club. Club, people forget that he scored. He's our leading goal scorer every time. You know, for every season he was there, he 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 often. There's a there's a game. There's a brilliant game. We played Man United, and we were three 0 down in 19 minutes. I don't know if you remember that that yeah. game. Uh, yeah, three. You know, we were getting absolutely destroyed. Three 0 down in 18 minutes. It's like, oh, what are we going to do here? Then Decano just went, "I'm not having this." So on his own, he got us back to three two. Scored two goals. Um, and then he was a fingertip away from making it three or I think it was Roy Carroll in goal for Man United. And he tried to lob him. And literally, Roy Carroll's fingertip, nail, it wasn't even his fingers, just his nail got the ball, collected <laughs> it over the, over the bar, whatever. And then next move, Man United went up the other end and made it 4-2. So that was game over. But he, on his own, again, nearly got us back into that game. Yeah. And, you know, 
Pyatt, for all his wonderfulness and, you know, his free kick taking, you know, he also had a, an extraordinary experience against Man United. Fair enough. I just think Di Canio outranks him when you look at the whole package. It's the package, also, yeah. was, And also, Di Canio actually was a better dribbler than, than, than Payet. Payet was is very good running at people and doing that, but Di Canio would just turn five defenders at a time. He'd go yeah. that way, and then he'd go that way, and the defenders have gone to Liverpool for lunch. You know, they just could not keep up with him. And he used to do that pretend back heel that yeah. people fell for every single time. And, you know, and also he was first on the training pitch, last off the training pitch. He worked so hard to keep fit. You ask any of the players, yeah. I'm sure you know. Um, and, you know, and that's why he managed to sustain a career for as long as he did. And always, always, always at the highest level. And the, But the best story about him is, um, I can't remember which manager it was. But anyway, Italian manager, he was asked at a press conference. And this is a manager who'd managed Di Canio at Juventus. And he said, um, uh, and at this point, I think Kanye was playing in, in the UK. And, and the journalist asked, oh, I wish I could remember his name, asked the Italian manager at the time, said, um, uh, what would it take for Paolo Di Canio to get selected to play for Italy? He said, every other player would have to die of the plague first before I pick him to play for Italy. <laughs> it's like... Wow, he must have they must have really fallen out with him yeah. <laughs> in a big way. Oh, anyway. yeah. So I'm sorry, um, um just moving along, I'm, I'm conscious that I'm just talking rubbish no. now. Um my other striker is Freddie Canute. Oh I yes. loved Freddie Canute. I liked him. I well. absolutely loved him. Just everything about him was classy. The way he ran, his his ability in the air, his ability to play with his back to goal, his ability mm. to turn and shoot. You know, he was just a great, great, great... For, again, if he was playing for us now, he'd be a 40-goal-a-season striker. Yeah. Because he would just get... Hopefully, he would get the service. We would give him the service that he would need. Yeah. He's just... He was just a wonderful player to watch. And I'm absolutely bitter when he left, but there you go. And yeah. when, who, who he left for. Mm. Um, but he was just a really... He was like the Sade of footballers. He was just a smooth operator, wasn't he? There was just something very smooth and cool. And he was just, like, you know, well oiled. You're, you're right. No, you're right. He reminded me of, like, because firstly, his debut was, was that Wimbledon game, if I remember correctly, um, was actually the game. I'm pretty sure it was. If I'm wrong, Kent Hammers will comment I, I on it and tell me. I think you're right. I'm not a, I'm not a Robert Banks. I'm not a No, no, no. Media. But someone will always comment and say I was wrong. Um, but, but he was like, you know, he was our Omri. You know, it was like he's... I was like, this guy is... When Omri... Because at that time, Omri was this, you know, brilliant... And I was like, he, we've got a player here. And he was, yeah, as you said, so stylish. He was so good. Cool. Well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, why he didn't go on to be absolutely, you know, world ra- world ranked footballer who's mm. beside me. Maybe he was just a little bit too relaxed, possibly. But possibly. great footballer. Really loved watching him play. And we really really love watching all of those guys play. So anyway, that that is my eleven. There you go. That's brilliant, Don. Thank you. It's absolutely great, and and there's and there's some new, and that's what I love about this this channel is new players come up all the time, you know. So obviously, I think Dan, it was Danny's first time on the, I think Canute as well, uh, and and Yushi I think as well, and Ilunga I think you got Ilunga, four. I think his first time as well. <laughs> I think you got Ilunga in there as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, Don, it's been great chatting, man. It's been absolutely brilliant. I loved it. So My thank you so much.
Not thank you so sport. much. Thank Sorry. you so much for putting all the effort in as well. I love it when they when when people make a real, real effort because it's uh, it just makes a big difference. And it, as you said, it's, it gets new players out and, and new stories, and it's absolutely oh, brilliant. Before we go, can go I have on. a quick word about Mascherano? Go, yeah, go, yeah, he was going to talk about Mascherano. He's a forgotten man, a forgotten man of the Tevez Gate season, and it's it's. I mean, there's loads of stories to come. I'm actually currently researching a book about it. I hope to be writing a book about Tevez Gate in the not too distant oh, future. Wow. Uh, I'll let you know if it happens. Because uh, in a previous life, I was a journalist and I've gone yes. back to writing now, so it's all wonderful. Anyway, so people, there's a lot of things that people don't know about that year, but one of the things, obviously, that people don't understand is why Mascherano, or Mascherano, but actually it's pronounced Mascherano, um, wasn't played or whatever. There were contractual reasons about that, obviously. But what, and also, I don't think people realised until he left and went to Liverpool and Barcelona just how good he was. Yeah. You know, he was the linchpin of one of the very best Barcelona teams for a long time. Yeah. Everything went around him. But what, I'm not sure if people remember, but the year, obviously that year when they, when they joined, was our first year in the UEFA Cup for God knows how long. And Mascherano made his debut in the first leg against Palermo at Upton Park. Okay. He was far and away the best player in that game. It was the best debut by a West Ham player I think I've ever seen. He was incredible. Maybe Trevor Sinclair was good, yeah. his debut, I think, against Everton, he scored two. Yeah. But Mascarano's debut, that game, he was he was incredible, absolutely incredible. I, it didn't go well for us. Um, I actually went out to Palermo with my son for the second leg, and that is one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Um, <laughs> I sat behind, on the plane, I actually sat behind Cash Pennant and uh, he basically filled the plane. <laughs> just, say, just say next to him for the rest just, of the time. Just, just, just tell me when we land because then I'll get to see some daylight then. It's amazing. Anyway, but, but that first game at Upton Park, Mascarano was magnificent and it's a great regret to me that because of the stupidity of the people, there you go. That's what I wanted to say. That's right. No worries. No worries. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. It was one of those, it was, uh, yeah, a bit, bit of a travesty, I think. I think why we didn't, didn't get travesty. to see as much out of it. Absolutely. Travesty yeah. is Okay, mate. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well, obviously, thank you everyone for watching uh, as well. You know, like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. And until the next time from me and Don, take care, everybody. Stay safe. We'll see you all very, very soon. See you later, everyone. Bye bye. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.